Kia ora koutou and welcome to New Zealand Anesthesia, the podcast linking Aotearoa anaesthetists with what's going on across the motu and beyond. I'm Dr Morgan Edwards, the New Zealand Society of Anesthetists President, and it is a pleasure to host the NZSA's podcast. Whether you're at work, in your office, on your commute or on your daily walk or run, we hope you find it an insightful and informative listen. Now, financial planning and investment is something we all face at various stages of our lives, yet with so much information and so many opinions out there, it's also something that many of us can feel uncertain about how to approach or how to know that we are on the right track. If not already obvious, for this episode, we are going to venture outside of health and anesthesia to something a bit different, finance and investment. And to help, we're joined by a guest who is an expert at making investing and financial information approachable, Victoria Harris. Across her website, podcast, and on Instagram, she is co-founder of The Curve, which offers a wealth of information for women to gain confidence with their finances and wealth. Victoria has over 10 years experience in the investment and finance industry as an analyst and portfolio manager seeking investment opportunities for clients including top fund managers in New Zealand, Sydney and London. She's created a really inspirational platform and community and it is my immense pleasure to welcome Victoria to the New Zealand Anesthesia Podcast for a korero for all of our anesthesia community about where to start if you're not sure financial advisors and DIY platforms, long-term investments, and planning for retirement. So kia ora and welcome, Victoria. Hi, thanks for having me. It is so lovely to have you here. And just acknowledging that you're the first person to come on this podcast and not talk about anesthesia. Woohoo, good, because I don't I know very little about that, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are talking about things that I know very little about. Um, and just so excited to get through some stuff that is likely really quite basic for you, but not necessarily that basic for me. And so to start us off, I wondered if you could share perhaps a little bit about yourself and just how the curve came to be. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So um as Morgan said, my name is Victoria, and I have uh, I run a financial education platform called The Curve, and it came about because I have been in the finance industry for about 13 years now. Um, I studied finance at the University of Canterbury, um, then got into the finance industry, um, started my career at Milford Asset Management, and then moved to a few other fund managers over my time. Worked in Auckland, Sydney, London, um, and but throughout that time, I realised just how unconfident females were when it came to dealing with their finances. And I had so many friends come up to me, being like, "Hey, Vic, you know, can I just sit down with you for coffee? Uh, I've got a bit of money. If you've got your first job, you know, you know that you should be." Well, a lot of people know that maybe they should just have the money in the bank. You know, they, they should be doing more with it. Um, you start building up those savings um, and progressing through your career. And so there were a lot of friends that were like, that had nowhere to go uh, to ask these questions. So they came to me and I was more than happy to help them out. Uh, but there was kind of a little light bulb moment where I was like, hang on a second. There's probably a lot of other females that don't have a me that they can go to and so um, it kind of started an idea of you know it would be great to have a platform where um, females in particular who want to start their investing journey or grow their wealth but don't know where to don't know where to start or don't have a finance background can actually do that and there is a lot of 
noise, jargon, complicated terms, overwhelmingness, you know, when it comes to, to dealing with money and dealing with finances. And so we really wanted to break that down, um, you know, really strip it back to basics and, um, you know, provide that platform for, for people to start that, start that journey of, of growing their wealth. And then, so we started that back about, about two and a half years ago now um, and started really organically on social media and then it kind of grew and grew and then we started our own podcast and now we've got um, online courses, yeah, the podcast, we do a lot of partnerships and integrations to help provide free services to, to, to customers to learn this because that was another thing. It was like you don't have to have a lot of money to be able to invest. You know, nowadays with Sharesies and Hatch and all those DIY platforms, you know, anyone with a dollar to invest can invest. Whereas, you know, before that, like five years ago, you very much needed to have money to, to grow your money. And that's really made investing out of reach for a lot of people and made it this kind of exclusive club. And so we're trying to break that down. And another thing I noticed throughout my career was uh, not only the lack of financial literacy in women but also the, the the lack of women the um the prevalence of women in the finance industry and so that's kind of a double-pronged approach that we're, we're trying to encourage women to take control of their their finances um through educating themselves but also you know providing a career and finance you know as a, as a pathway and as a really attractive pathway um so yeah wow <laughs> um I mean, but just identifying with so much of that, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm really p passionate about on a personal level, but, you know, we at the New Zealand Society of Anesthetists are um, in a health capacity is breaking down things that um, feel simple to us with the niche we've ended up in, in our mm. lives, but are very complex if you don't have that foundation and breaking them down in a way that actually helps people feel empowered and make choices um, that they would be able to do if it was just explained in really nice English to mm. them, you know, versus exactly what you're talking about, all the jargon that floats yeah. around. And every industry has jargon. It's it's kind of the nature mm. of, um, you know, learning that craft and learning that expertise. But I think what I've also noticed just in my day-to-day -day life is now that when I am explaining things, I'm really making sure I'm explaining them and explaining them in, in, in a way that anyone will understand, not just someone in the finance industry or you know so it's kind of and even if I get, go to the doctor or go to um you know anyone and it's kind of if I don't understand something I kind of you ask sorry can you explain it in a different way because it's like I've realized it doesn't mean that you're you're stupid or you know it's like it's just everyone has a different skill set and you're not supposed to know everything so yeah Absolutely. And the best way to learn is actually by asking the person who is the expert to phrase it another way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, like, where where's the best place to start? Isn't that a broad yeah. question? Let's say, to give a scenario, let's just say I have a little bit of money saved up. I don't have any investments. I've just started out my career. Do I need to start financial planning yet? Where can I start? Yeah, good question. Um, we, get a, we get this question a lot, and we get a the question kind of flips on itself as well as, you know, have I missed the boat or am I, am, am I too late to start? And uh, I think obviously with a lot of things in life, the earlier that you can start, the better. Um, the same with investing. And that's just because of 
the compounding of your return, so the, the compound interest. So the sooner that you start saving, the sooner you're earning interest on those savings or those investments, and that compounds over years and years and years. So the later you leave it, the more you miss out on that. But as long as you've got even kind of five years before you need that money, whether it's retirement, whether it's you're saving for a holiday or a wedding, um, you know, you can invest in, in, in stocks. You can, you can invest in a range of different things depending on your um, investment goals or your investment time horizon. You just, the shorter time horizon, the less risky or you, you have more investments in things like term deposits and a bit of a lower risk investment, whereas if you had a longer time horizon, you can take a bit more risk and invest in things like the stock market. Um, but where to start is really just, it's more about putting, it's more about flipping. A lot of people think about um, investing as what's left over uh, after spending. And that's what you should be saving or investing. And we at the Curve try, like to try and flip it on its head and go, you know, it's best to try and think about future you first. And then, and then the, the leftover is what you've got to live off now. So it's kind of putting away, thinking of future you first and putting away that little bit. Um, of, of savings or investments first um, and then figuring out how much you have to have to spend because so many times people will be like oh I don't have enough to invest or, or I'm not, not saving any any this month I'll do it next month next month and then before you know it's three years and you haven't done anything so and even it doesn't have to be a big amount it can be as little as like I said a little as little as a dollar and you know, just putting that away each week will will add up eventually. And if you're investing that, it'll grow over time. And before you know it, you'll have, you know, a, a, a large pool or a decent pool of, of retirement savings or whatever your whatever you're saving for. Um, yeah. and, and it doesn't have to be complex either. You know, you can invest, and in, you don't have to be like, oh gosh, I don't even know where to where to start to invest that money. So I've got the money now, but I don't even know where to start. It's, you know, you can, there are experts out there that can manage it for you, like a fund, like a fund manager, um, which I've mm. given, you know, I give most of my money to because I don't have time to kind of sit there and stock pick and I'm doing yeah. this for a living. So it's, it's everybody's so different. Um, but the thing is, is the best thing you can do is just start now. Get yeah, started. just get started. So even, and yes, you might make mistakes, but just get started um, because, we, we all know life gets in the way and I'm guilty of this yeah. as well is that you know before you know it it's three years and you haven't actually done anything so <laughs> yeah um I remember my husband used to work in KiwiSaver mm. um and I remember him talking to a, a group of anesthetists at a trainee event um and sort of saying you know it's really tempting to put your KiwiSaver on hold yep. um when you're trying to you know live your life and you've got a mortgage um and then sort of showing if you put it on hold for X period of time, let's just say five years at the rate that I, you know, we can see what junior doctors earn at that rate. Um, and you're in a, you know, like a growth fund if we look in, down the road. And it's like, you know, millions yeah. of dollars difference. Oh, totally. And it's a little bit alarming yeah. um, that that future you would have missed out on that by having your KiwiSaver on hold. Yeah, like um, it might seem like during that a, time. A, a $100 a month or whatever now, but that compounded. Mm. That, 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 that over three years and compounded over, say, I don't know, 30, 30 years actually ends up being a lot. And a lot of people mm. don't realize that. They think, oh, an extra, an extra mm. couple of hundred dollars in the bank account now. It's like, no, but that's, that, that extra couple of hundred dollars is worth a lot more 
to future you, if you could just make that sacrifice or that adjustment to your lifestyle now. Um, and I was guilty of this. I definitely yeah. went on a saving suspension, like a, a contributions holiday was what it was called before. And yes. and it was only supposed to be a couple of months. And yeah, before I knew it, it was it was two years and I hadn't contributed to my KiwiSaver because I wanted that little extra bit. And it was a pretty steep learning curve once I did the numbers. Um, but again, it had to, it's someone that sat me down and explained it to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, why did I do this? Like, <laughs> But you learn, yeah. and now I'll never do it again. Absolutely. So it's kind of, you live and you learn yeah. a bit. But KiwiSaver is great if if someone is struggling of where, if, you know, of finding somewhere to start, KiwiSaver is so good because it takes the emotion out of investing. It, you know, takes it the, the, it's out of your pay before you've seen it. Um, all that, mm. all that psychological stuff when it comes to investing really helps in terms of it doesn't matter if the market's up 20% or down 20%, you're still investing that money because it's automatically being invested on your behalf. So all that stuff um, really, really helps. And I, we, like, we really encourage anyone to kind of join KiwiSaver because, yeah, it is, it is a fantastic initiative um, that for New Zealanders, definitely. Yeah, cool. And, you know, you sort of alluded to it before, but, you know, for time poor people, which I think anaesthetists and anaesthetic trainees would definitely identify as being, yep. is it worth having a financial advisor um, or fund manager so you can be less involved in the day-to-day? Um, yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of people that, um, you know, some people are on the end of the spectrum, they want to pick stocks and they want to pick their own portfolio and have control mm-hmm. over it and they want to invest in Microsoft and Apple and all the, you know, they, they're really really into it. And then on the other spectrum, it's like, yes, I've got some money, but I don't, I, I just want it to grow. I don't, I don't care. I don't, you know, someone else can deal with that for me. And that's totally fine. It's like, whatever works for you. And yes, on one end of the spectrum is a financial advisor and um, they're great in terms of, they look at your whole financial situation. If you've got debt, if you've got a house, if you've got children, you know, they do look at the whole um, kind of profile, but there is obviously an additional fee for that because it is very personalised, you know, I would sit down with you, Morgan, and, you know, effectively, you know, see your whole profile of your life and, and, and everything that's going on and create a financial plan for you. Um, whereas kind of in the middle is probably more of a fund manager where um, I'd come to you and say, look, I've got a low risk and met the moderate risk and kind of a growth to high risk fund. Um, what do you, I can't tell you what to invest in, but this is the wrap, this is the, the suite of products that we have and options and you decide. Um, and I can tell you things like uh, if you're younger, so if you've got kind of five or 10 years before you need the money, then you can invest more in growth, in growth funds, which tend to be more um, investments in stocks. Um, and you can you can afford to have less in the in the conservative or the low risk fund, which is usually term deposits, cash, a bit of bit of bonds, and that kind of thing. So um, I can't really tell you what to do, but you can choose. And so for a lot of people, that's that's enough. Um, and then effectively, when you give your money to a fund manager, they then take it take take it on your behalf and invest it, and um, you get the returns. So they pull it together with everyone else's money, so you don't get that kind of individualized service like you do with a with a financial advisor, and that's what I—that's what I've done for my career—is is funds management. So, taking people's money and investing it on their behalf, um, according to yes. different um, kind of uh, options. So, uh, yeah. So, and, and and for me, that's where the majority of my money is—is is in the is in is in funds, um, more, more growth funds. 
just because I don't I don't need the money. Um, well, never say never, but <laughs> yeah, for now I don't need the money. So, um, and I've got a little bit of stock picking as well because I do really enjoy um, you know following companies and looking at, at what to invest in. So, um, but yeah, it's completely it's completely up to you there. But there is definitely a spectrum of offerings, um, which also adds yeah, to confusion depending. as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. But I think that that's really nicely kind of clear in that you can, you know, obviously do the entire thing mm. yourself. And a lot of people think, oh, I need financial advice. And it's like, no, I, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't. Like it, it, it tends to be people with, um, you know, a larger, larger amount of assets or a larger amount of money because it is expensive. Um, whereas for a lot of people, if you understand funds management or even investing in ETFs, which is exchange traded funds, um, and you just mm-hmm. buy them like a stock, but in there, you're effectively buying um, buying an index, so buying the US market or buying the New Zealand market or the Australian market. And so you get that you get that fund uh, type of investment, but you're doing it yourself. So there's there's lots of options for you if you don't want to pay that additional financial advice fee. But we get a lot of people saying, "I need financial advice," and it's like, "Oh, actually, if we just explain what these are, usually that's enough." you know, in terms of educating people yeah. um, to make those decisions themselves. Yeah. And how do you recommend, you know, if somebody's listening to the podcast going, right, okay, cool, it sounds like a, a fund manager is good mm. for me. How do you recommend people find a fund manager that will be a good fit for them? Yeah, so there's a few key kind of top ones in New Zealand. So like the Milford, Fisher Funds, um, Generate, Simplicity, those ones are, you know, pretty up there in terms of um, delivering consistent performance over time. And that would be the key thing that you'd want to look for if you're looking for a fund, uh, fund manager is what have mm-hmm. they delivered historically in terms of return on my investment. Oh, if, if I'd invested 10 years ago, what, you know, what, would my investment would, would, what would my investment look like? And so it's mm-hmm. really important to look at the longest period of performance that they provide. So it might be 10 years per, per annum, it uh, might be five years per annum, but if they've delivered, say, 10% return per annum, that's pretty good. Like over the, over the last 10 years, that's really good. Because it's very easy to have a good year or it's very easy to have a bad year, but to consistently perform over the long term is, is a lot more difficult. And so when I'm looking at a fund manager, I'm looking at funds that, have consistently delivered and it's not like I, I I'm, you know we, we always caveat by saying past performance is no indication of future returns um, but it's it's all around that's all you've got to go off is past performance so if you can get comfortable that that fund manager has delivered that return over the last 10 years when we've had you know we've had things like um, COVID which where the, where the stock market fell we've had the global financial crisis and we've you know, over over the sorry, more fifteen years, but you know we've had big um, big events happen, and they've still managed to deliver, and that's pretty good, and I'm pretty happy with that. And it doesn't mean every year you're going to get that return, but on average, and if you've got if you're investing for ten years plus, then you kind of shouldn't worry yourself with a a down year or a bad year um, because. Yeah, that's kind of been the nature of investing. Um, but there are actually really good websites, um, sorted.co.nz, for searching for fund managers. Uh-huh. 
Um, there's also Better Saver um, and Morningstar is another one uh, that you can rank rank our fund managers in terms of performance and see which are the best ones um, and, and, and go from there. Uh, but, yeah. Okay. And then when I think about the great Kiwi dream of investing, when how do you look at mm. um, things like investing in shares or bonds versus property? Yeah. Yeah, no, New Zealand's got a weird fascination with investing in property. Uh, <laughs> and uh, everyone effectively just, yeah, the, the, the dream is to save enough to have a deposit to buy a house. And that's what we're really trying to do is open the conversation around, you know, there's other ways to, to grow your wealth and there's other ways um, where you to invest and grow your wealth without having to have, you know, what, a $200,000 deposit if you're wanting to buy in Auckland. So it's, that, that, that's getting really out of reach for a lot of people. And so, you know, having alternative solutions like, Investing in the stock market is is really is really key. So um, we, we, it's all it's also we're not saying one's bad, one's better than the other. It's more um, there's options, and if, if if property is is unobtainable or unaffordable for you, then you know look at the stock market. And we've also had a lot of people that are like, you know what, I'm going to use, I'm going to invest in the stock market to grow grow my pool of money to a point where I've got enough for a deposit and then invest. So it's, yeah, you can use them in conjunction, but it's also really good diversification. If you're in a really good position to invest in both, then that's great. You know, having a bit of property and having a bit of um, stock portfolio as well. Uh, but yeah, it's really, it's really hard. I mean, it's getting, I mean, the prices are coming down at the moment, but interest rates are going up. So that's another thing to consider uh, is, you know, there's a lot of people that, bought houses when interest rates were at 2% and now they're at kind of 6% and they're really feeling the squeeze so they don't have that extra money to invest uh, or, um, you know, that, that paying back the mortgage repayments is, is unobtainable now. And it's, yeah, it's kind of those things that it, it's difficult because the world constantly changes and so it's almost like if you're buying a property now and interest rates are 6%, you know, doing some scenarios and being like, okay, well, if interest rates went to 8%, would I be able to afford those payments or not? Because, you know, there could be a world where we do see interest rates back to 8%. So, yeah, it's just, there's lots of things um, to consider. But, yeah, if you're in a fortunate enough position to do both, it's great diversification in terms of um, your portfolio, definitely. Cool. And then um, you mentioned it earlier, but sort of what... Uh, the pros and cons of using things like Sharesies or Hatch or Kernel? Yeah, so they're really good platforms because you can buy fractional shares. You can buy a part of a share. Um, whereas back in the day, you kind of needed almost you know, $50, $50 or $100, uh, sometimes even $300 if you actually wanted to set up an account or open an account. And even with a fund manager, you needed $10,000 minimum. So it was really, uh, it's really good because they have really, you know, bought investing to the masses uh, and, and opened that up for everyone. And even kids, you know, getting kids involved and in opening their own shares of accounts mm. and getting them interested in investing is really, really good for a young age. You know, they can buy Disney shares. You know, they know Disney, you know, like mm. that kind of thing. O older mm. kids, they can buy like uh, Foot Locker or Nike and, and you know, like getting them interested in investing yeah. at a really young age is, is really, really key. 
but I think those platforms have been great. Uh, you know, Tesla shares of $300, being able to buy a part of a share rather than having to save to even buy one share is really, really good. And so you can invest in a range of different things and really diversify, whereas before you might have been only, only have enough to buy uh, shares in that one stock, so you wouldn't have been diversifying as much. Um, they also have this auto-invest function where it's kind of like KiwiSaver where you can um, you can invest in at regularly and consistently just a set amount of money. So for a lot of people that are self-employed or freelance, you know, they don't have that KiwiSaver, uh, well, they don't have that automatic KiwiSaver uh, function. So, you know, something like a ShareZ or investing in, uh, or, or automatically investing $100 a month or something um, into some stocks that they've chosen is, is really great. Um, so, and they're low fees as well. You know, there are a lot of those, back in the day when I used to um, have buy, buy individual stocks, I had to do it through my ASB account and they charged me $30 every, every trade, which was like so much money. And so you just, you'd end up mm. either not investing or, um, yeah, you're just not, not selling or you're just not doing a lot of things, a lot of activity, which is probably a good thing. But it was very expensive to to trade. And so they've really kind of brought that down as well, which is, which is great because you shouldn't have to have a lot of money to start investing. It makes it much more accessible, doesn't it? Um, and, yeah, with regards to kids, I was 100% going to get there and ask you that, but I think um, – that's a really lovely point. So when, when people are thinking about sort of thinking about, you know, th- mm. planning for their children or getting them involved, um, what are your thoughts on using those platforms as a way to, you know, save for the children's future? Like it's scary, right? Talking about property, we're talking about how we can't afford property now. I've got yeah. an eight-year-old. How is my eight-year-old going to afford property? I know. Yeah, no, it is scary. And uh, I think with the best, the best thing is, I well, for what I did for my niece, my niece is, three years old and when she was born I set her up with a KiwiSaver she was really young and I've been mm. putting a hundred dollars in on her birthday and Christmas and she'll probably get to an age of being like why aren't you giving me any presents but um but it, that that compounded over and you'll time. be like surprise yeah, yeah, I've and really set you up um, and <laughs> I I think that, that, that's great with KiwiSaver but I think with with Shearsies for example like I was saying it's, it's way more exciting for kids than they can see what they're owning uh and see that they're investing in Disney and see that they're investing in yeah, Nike and that kind of stuff and uh, so I think finding out if there's yeah a toy brand that your kids are really into or mm. or cartoon and seeing who, if that company is publicly listed and, and just explaining to them you know what you're doing when you're like oh cool I own shares in Coco Melon or I own shares in Peppa Pig you're like it's, it's quite cool to, to think that and and to get them interested I got in um my mum bought me some contact energy shares when I was about eight years old and it was it was a small amount but it, that was what really got me interested in investing was that I was like what why are these what's this money just coming in the mail and it was dividend checks and um so I was like what is this and it just I didn't understand it but it got me interested in mm. what do you mean I own shares in a company what does that mean what you know what is contact energy what do they do they keep the lights on you know like it was kind of that kind of thing uh but even just having that conversation early on even if they don't understand it fully uh, even having um a friend of mine has a jar which is um you know when they do chores it's like 
spending money, saving money, and investing money. So when they get paid for you know chores they're doing around the house, it might be like a dollar goes in each, and then they're, they're kind of explaining the the investing jar. Um, you know, what does that mean? Like I get the spending and the saving, but what is it? You know, so just kind of little things like that really help. Um, and then Shoesies has no, um, I think they've got no fees for kids, which is quite good, um, or low fees. Um, and so that's really that's really good to help encourage kids to get interested in investing. Because, you know, we were talking about this earlier, there's not, we learn some really great things at school, but we don't learn this sort of stuff um, in any kind of meaningful way in mm. school. And so... Yeah. Um, just kind of having that visibility and awareness just slowly layered in for our kids yeah. throughout their childhood. Yeah. And Sounds not making really it confusing or overwhelming because mm. that's when you lose people and that's when people go, oh, my God, and just bury their head in the sand or, oh, my God, this is way too, way too big for me to learn or way too confusing. But when you break it down and you slowly chip away at it and you introduce it in a really interesting and fun and exciting way, which is what we're trying to do is that kind of makes it a lot more digestible and you, you get a lot more people on board on the journey with you. So, yeah. yeah. 100%. And then thinking about, thinking about retirement, mm-hmm. um, you know, something like KiwiSaver, how does that compare to prioritising, you know, bonds or shares? Is it worth doing both? Yeah, so... We get a question like with KiwiSaver because you can do the minimum three percent, and then you can also do you know up to ten yeah. percent really. And mm. I think the thing with that is the key the key thing with KiwiSaver is it's locked into a sixty five. So if you're really certain that you're not going to need that money, well, sorry, you can take it out for your first home. Um, but if you're really certain that you're not going to need that money until you're sixty five, then good on you if you can invest ten percent of your salary and and that's amazing uh, but for a lot of people it's like oh I, you know maybe I might need it when I'm 40 maybe I might need it when I'm 50 and so you know investing that three percent into KiwiSaver and then maybe putting that additional seven percent into another fund that's that's identical to your KiwiSaver will grow at pretty much the same rate but you can access it if you need to um, is, is another alternative and for, for some people that it's still out of sight, out of mind because you're investing it and it's not in your bank account and it's away. Um, but for a lot of people, it's like, well, you know what, if I needed that for my kids or I needed that for, um, you know, to buy a house or, you know, something happened to me, then then I've got access to that rather than uh, locking it into your, into your 65 and putting away a decent chunk of your earnings, which probably sounds like I shouldn't be encouraging that, but it's, it's more encouraged, it's still encouraging that investing that 10% of your salary, but maybe structuring it in a way that isn't as restrictive because you kind of never know what the future will hold. Um, but obviously there's no, there's no hard and fast rule on the amount to invest either. It's, you know, if you could invest 20% of your salary, amazing. That's incredible. You know, the more that you can save now, and I wish I'd told my, my younger self in my 20s when I didn't have any kids, didn't have any, you know, no mortgage, nothing. And I was just like, you know, you have a lot more disposable income from that point of view, uh, you know, to, to invest more and, you know, really bank up my savings and, and my investments when I can. Um, yeah, but gosh, hindsight's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and better late than never though, yeah. hey? And it, it sounds like also, and 
correct me if I'm wrong. One of the um, fund managers that you mentioned earlier is who my KiwiSaver mm-hmm. is with. And so then, you know, you can be with the same fund manager. So, but just your KiwiSaver is, they're doing your KiwiSaver and then they're doing your um, <clears throat> other yeah. investment and you can just access them totally differently. Totally, yeah. One part of the kind of KiwiSaver scheme, um, which means, yeah, there's lots of rules and regulations about you know, not getting it out and, and all that. And then there's, there's they, they, they usually do, and a lot of fund managers, if they're KiwiSaver providers, will do this as well, is they'll have identical funds. Because also when people turn 65, you know, a lot of people don't want to take their money out. They want to leave it in there um, and continue to earn interest. You know, maybe they're still working. Um, they don't get the, the full benefits of the KiwiSaver scheme, but they can transfer it into a fund at the same fund manager and keep that growing. Um, so, you know, there is, there is that option as well. Um, and yeah, so, so a lot of fund managers do provide um, non-KiwiSaver funds that get very similar returns. Yeah. Because let's be honest, you know, for a lot of people, um, not to make sweeping generalisations about the population, but for a lot of people, 65 is not nearing the end of life <laughs> no and it's, for a lot of people it might not be feasible to even retire mm-hmm. then you know so it's yeah it's it's that's the age that the government and the country is put on in terms of retirement age and that's kind of what we aim to be you know be retiring at but yeah for a lot of people they want the mental stimulation of still working or they financially have to keep working and so yeah, every, everyone's different. But having a plan is definitely key in terms of, okay, what well, the rate I'm going, what age will I be retiring? You know, how much do I need when I retire? Uh, all those kind of things, having a plan in place so you don't get to 60 or 63 and be like, oh, gosh, you know, my life's going to look a lot different <laughs> in a couple of years and yeah. I should start planning. You know, the earlier you can plan, the better with anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just sounds like perhaps as your career progresses or as you advance through life mm. that your risk appetite might change and where you choose to have those funds yeah. might change. Yeah. So as you approach kind of 60, if you've, if you've got, um, you're, you're retiring at 65, as you approach 60, you should be kind of thinking about putting uh, your, your money into a bit more of a conservative or lower growth investment whether you're doing that yourself mm. or whether you're doing the fund manager doing it for you financial advisor will probably tell you the same thing uh, but because mm. you've got a smaller time horizon until you need the money um, then you should be you know thinking of t- you know because you've, you've got that growth you hopefully you've invested for you know 10 20 years before that so you've got that growth and it's like now let's protect that because we don't want to lose that again so let's protect what we've grown over the years um, to ensure that I have enough to live off when I'm 65. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that a conversation I had with a colleague recently um, about this, and they were like, oh, I just don't really see any need to invest. I can just, my money sits in the bank. I, you know, I've got an account mm. that earns a bit of money. Um, and, you know, I'm earning good money and I'm going to continue earning good money. And I don't think I'm going to need to retire early because I really enjoy my job. Um, what do you say in that sort of situation where maybe it feels less relevant, you know, especially when you're there, maybe a bit younger, mm. that future person seems like a distant horizon? Um, yeah, about how important it is to still try and grow your money. Yeah. That's a really good question. I think, yeah, for a lot of people, 
retirement and 65, you know, it is very far away. And it's like, well, I'll worry about that mm. when it's close to the time. Um, and mm. I think the best thing in that situation where she just wants to keep the money in the bank and I think it's, it's almost doing scenarios and there's some great calculators online um, and I can send you something like they're, they're fantastic and it's like, okay, this is my situation now. If I invested that money at an average of 10, uh, 8 to 10% return per year, which is what the stock market has historically done, what would that look like? Uh, versus if I kept it in the bank at say two, three, four percent, what would that look like? And if she's young and invested in, in, you know, got a, got a long time into retirement, I think she should be absolutely mind blown at the difference. Uh, I don't know how much she's got in the bank or anything, but like the difference in those amounts will be staggering because she's got such a long time until she needs the money and you know the difference between a bank return and an investing return is is just so different um and so I think I think being you know being not not complacent being comfortable with having that money in the bank is great but I think there's also a you know it's not it's not greedy to want more and to have more financial flexibility and, you know, to be able to to choose how you live your life and live, you know, having that financial security to, you know, and, and it's not, you might want to spend that money on others. You might want to spend that money on travel. You might want to leave that money to your children or you might want to, you know, leave it to charity. You know, there's so many, money provides so much flexibility and freedom and choice. And I think, you know, the more of that, to a, to, a, to a point is, is, is great, um, but I think she'd be absolutely staggered in terms of the, the difference in what her life would look like at 65 if she'd invested. And that's what we try and do at The Curve is really, because it is hard to fathom, you know, for me, it's, it's 30 years away and I'm like, oh gosh, that's so long. But when I do run scenarios and I'm just like, wow, I'm like, this is why I'm doing the things I'm doing now. And so it's, yeah, and you you never know what's going to happen either to yourself. You know, you might change your mind and oh, not absolutely. not want to work, or you might, you know, yeah, something. Yeah, you don't want to be pessimist, but like <laughs> the future is uncertain, and so having that financial security and independence, um, particularly for women, is really really important. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and then I think, you know, something that comes up so often is certainly really important for us at the society with our investing, um, looking at personal values yep. and, you know, who you're investing mm. with. How, you know, do you cut through the noise to make sure you're not inadvertently investing in things like firearms or animal testing? Yeah, it's, I mean, finance industry is a confusing place as it is, let alone when you overlay kind of that, that, that style of investing. And it's definitely something we've seen over the last kind of 10 years has really grown. People are like, you know what, I don't just want to get 8 or 10% return. I want to do that, but also know that I'm not, um, not getting that return by investing in something that doesn't align with my values. Yeah, like firearms, yeah. gambling, you know, all that kind of thing. Yes. And so um, mm-hmm. we've really seen a step up in uh, funds management companies, um, companies in general, just, you know, all publicly listed companies really stepping up and being like, you know what, 
we are going to improve our supply chain. We're going to improve our impact on the environment, you know, by reducing carbon emissions, all that, because that's important to investors. And if we don't have investors and we don't have investor demand, we don't have a, a highly valued company or, or an investable company and we're not attractive to investors. So we want to not only do that from a social good, but we also want to be attractive to, to investors. And it's, pool of investors that are increasingly investing this way. So it's really, really awesome to see companies really stepping up. And, you know, now now so many of them report on, um, you know, I guess labour practices, um, climate change, their impact on the environment, um, their corporate governance, you know, how many females are on their board or in senior management roles. And so it's really good. And you can now, it's getting easier and easier to compare companies and be like, oh, well, you know, you've got 30% women on boards, but this company over here has got 40, you know, what, you know, just kind of having benchmarks and, 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 and that kind of thing. So it's, that's really, really good. And there's platforms in New Zealand like Mindful Money. Um, where you can go in and type in, um, for, for if you're searching for a fund that's investing in, um, in it, if you're investing, if you're looking for funds that aligns with your values and is investing in a way that aligns with your values, you can search them in Mindful Money and it will say, oh, this fund invests in, um, in fossil fuels, this fund invests in uh, gambling companies, it tests on animals, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so you can see, you might be like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm okay with investing in companies that test on animals, but I'm not okay with companies that invest um, in gambling. And so it, you, can, you can pick and choose and see. Um, and so that's really helpful because it is overwhelming. And a lot of companies and funds want to make themselves look good. And so they want to be like, you know, they might be like, yeah, look, we've, um, we don't, We've we've only got this much carbon emissions that we that we emit each year. It's like, yeah, but that's a huge increase on what you did last year. So you're actually getting worse. You know, it's hard to see the full picture sometimes when companies highlight certain statistics. And so, uh, it's like marketing. It's like a marketing company for I don't know Coca Cola. You know, they bring out a range with a green label and some leaves on it, and everyone's like, oh, it's healthy. And it's like, no, 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 it's still Coca Cola. And so, you know, companies are cottoning on to to that because there's a huge wave of investors that want to invest this way. They're like, okay, how can we position ourselves to be attractive? And so, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit you kind of got to cut through the, the bullshit. But, um, yeah, just a little bit of greenwashing. Yeah, just a little bit fun. of greenwashing. <laughs> uh, but I think as time goes on, it'll be more and more obvious that the companies... And you get, um, you know, you, with, with social media, it's very easy to get publicly ridiculed if you are pulling the wool over it someone's eyes or you are doing something wrong and so there's that extra element of okay we can't just say we're doing this we've actually got to do it so yeah like a bit of accountability hey? yes definitely yeah and so you can also check to if you're using a fund manager you can be quite clear about that with them as well hey definitely yeah and they'll they'll um be able to tell you what they do and don't invest in and um, how they've structured the fund you know some funds might invest in everything and anything and some people are happy with that. Others might be like, you know what, we don't invest in this. Or, and they might structure the fund. We don't invest in Australian stocks. We don't invest in US. We don't, you know, there's different. It's not just around values. There's also different. We don't, we don't invest in small companies. We don't invest in large companies. They all, all the funds have different kind of rules and regulations um, to, to target different people. Sweet. 
Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time on all of that. I feel like I no want to go back. Uh, very good I feel question. like I want I to go that. back and tell my younger self, <laughs> do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. we'll instead do better going forward because that's what we can control. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for your time. Great. No worries. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone in our community, for tuning into our podcast. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Kakite anō.